This episode is sponsored by Patricia Asp of Aspire. Does your company culture have what it takes to last? After the upheaval of the pandemic, many companies and organizations are struggling to adapt to new regulations, new workflows, and new workplace culture. After witnessing the dramatic weakening in the core values of great companies during mergers, acquisitions, and rapid growth, Patricia Asp, a forward board member and principal, launched Aspire, an organization founded to preserve the goodness in companies by hardwiring culture for sustainability. If you're interested in conducting a culture sustainability assessment, go to patriciaasp.com slash contact dash us. Make 2023 the year your company soars. Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, real talk grounded in truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. Last month, we talked about planning and strategy with Melissa Peak. If you haven't had a chance to listen in on that conversation, I highly recommend you go back and listen to the two episodes before this one. Once you've mapped out a plan toward a goal and you've maybe broken down the process of getting to that goal into year-long chapters or chunks, how do you take that first step? What does it take to turn that dream or belief that you're carrying close to your heart and turn it into a tangible destiny? Joining me to talk about this journey of turning a belief into a destiny is someone very near and dear to the forward community and someone very familiar with following after a desire. Liz Forkin Bohannon, founder of Seiko Designs, an accomplished speaker and best-selling author of Beginner's Pluck, Build Your Life of Purpose and Impact Now. Liz was also named by Forbes magazine as one of the top 20 public speakers and Bloomberg magazine named Liz as one of the top social entrepreneurs to watch. So if there's anyone that could talk about turning a dream into reality, it's Liz. But what you will quickly learn is that this is not a conversation with someone who has accomplished so much and believes they're God's gift to humanity. Liz is one of the most humble and down-to-earth successful people I've ever had the chance to talk with, which in my book makes her an even more perfect person to talk to about turning beliefs into destiny. Let's get chatting with Liz. This month at Forward, we are focusing on the idea of taking a belief that you carry and turning it into a more tangible destiny. So this could include a career path maybe that you've always wanted to take, uh, maybe moving to a certain state or country that you've always wanted to live in. In your life, Liz, can you think of any beliefs turned to destiny moments? Yeah, definitely. I can think of a handful um, over kind of the course of my, especially kind of adult and professional life. But one that really comes to mind is a very deeply held belief that we were created on purpose, that none of us were an accident with kind of all of our quirks and gifts and the vision and our unique perspectives and lived experiences. We were created on purpose and we were created for a purpose, that our lives have meaning, that God created us and so graciously invites us to be co-creators and that we get to participate in building the world that we want to see and participate in stories of redemption and adventure and community. And that 
that requires our participation, uh, that that isn't something that just like happens to us or is forced on us. Um, but that part of being a co-creator is that, that we, we have autonomy in that, that we get to show up and say yes to this invitation to create something really beautiful. What do you think are some of the biggest things that might be holding somebody back for making a dream a reality? I mean, I am of the belief that we are just terrified. We're just terrified. We're terrified to fail. And I'm of the belief that so many of us are walking around with these just precious egos and we're just orienting a lot of our life around protecting that. How am I going to look? Am I going to look successful? What are other people going to say? And I say precious because I have learned to have a lot of compassion Mm -hmm. on myself and my ego that says, don't do that. Don't do that. You'll fail. That's too big of a risk. You'll look stupid. People won't approve because I've learned that that voice really is, it's trying to protect me saying like, Mm -hmm. stay safe, Liz. Um, but that that voice will also keep me and keep the story that I'm a part of small in a way that I don't think God, um, intends. And so I think, also that we're like pretty misguided, most of us, in that we yeah. think people care more than they do. Yeah. <laughs> we think that people are thinking about us more than they actually yeah. are. Yeah. And I think that that can at first seem a little of a bummer of like, wait, you're saying nobody cares about me? And it's not that nobody cares about you, but it is that people are not walking around like, what is Liz Fork and Bohannon going to do next? And is it going to be <laughs> successful? And is it going to fail? Or is it going to fly? And I have actually, that has become a very freeing realization for me mm-hmm. that it's like, mm-hmm. hey, I only get this, you know, one, I believe it was Mary Oliver. I hope I'm quoting that right. One wild and precious life to live. Mm-hmm. And I might as well have some fun and try some things and say yes to this invitation and be less concerned with what I think the other people are going to say, because the other people, like, they're just living their life. They're having the same internal conversation about themselves. (laughs) They're trying to think about how they're going to get from the board meeting to the kid's soccer game and how the middle child's going to get fed dinner in the midst of it. There's just, it's so busy and full that we just don't actually have that much space to be thinking about other people's success or failures and that that can actually be a really freeing realization. Do you have any dreams that you wish you could have made a reality in your life? You know, it's interesting because that feels, um, the the question is past tense of like that I wish I could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that is that how you want me to answer the question or yeah. is it like dreams that have not yet been realized? Whatever speaks to you. <laughs> I have plenty of dreams that have not yet been realized. I don't know that I actually have, like if it's in past tense and kind of more of a like regret dreams that I wish could have already happened. I think the word yet is a very magical word. It's um, this idea that you're always leaving possibility. It's very rarely, is it too late to do the thing? Um, And I I do think that that's something that trips a lot of people up. Like I missed my chance. I missed my opportunity. It's too late. And I think when we say like, I haven't done that yet, I haven't learned that yet. I'm not good mm-hmm. at that yet. There is something um, really hopeful, a lot of possibility. So yes, there's a lot of things that I dream about that I have yet to make a reality in my life. And one of those dreams for me would probably be thinking, you know, travel has been such a beautiful, important, informative part of my life. 
I have friends and I've worked in different contexts globally and just have these amazing relationships and experience. And I love how living and working in a different culture teaches you so much about the world, about God, about yourself. And I just have so much gratitude for that really meaningful part of my life up until this point. But, and I'll say, and I have a dream about that's felt quite individual, like kind of my life, my experience. And I would love to think about how I bring my family into that. I want Mm. that to be a reality for my family. I've got three young kids, three boys, six and under. Um, And so just kind of dreaming about what does it look like for my kids to join and be invited into this part of my life that feels really important and meaningful that I haven't quite figured out yet, but that it does very much so feel like a dream that gets me really excited. Mm, That's so special. (laughs) Well, today's conversation is largely inspired by a sermon that was done at Gateway Church in Texas. So anybody listening in Texas probably knows who I'm talking about. Um, But Pastor Robert Morris preached a sermon about Joseph and his dream from, or his journey from dream to destiny. Mm. And so he talked through a few tests that we, like Joseph, will go through if we strive toward a destiny that's created out of a dream. So for our conversation over this episode and the next episode, uh, I would like to talk through your story uh, and filter the different chapters through. There's four of these tests that I would love to highlight. So the first test is the perception test. So for you, after you graduated college you could have chosen to pursue the journey of a working woman in the U.S. or follow your passion and calling for the women in Uganda. So when you were facing that decision, did you ever wonder, what will other people think of me if I go to Uganda? I didn't wonder because I already knew. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's convenient. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like I knew. I was pretty clear-eyed going into it that I would be disappointing some people in my life. Um, and I, I wasn't even left to wonder. It wasn't like, will I be disappointing somebody? It was, it was, I felt like it was pretty straightforward of like, yes, if you go on this path, you will be disappointing people. Um, and then there was other people that I knew would be supportive of, um, of the journey. And I'm actually super grateful for that. You know, I am grateful that so early on and early in my life, I didn't even have a season where I thought maybe I could take risks, you know, follow my passion, go on a little bit of a more non-conventional journey and still make everybody happy. I felt like I had to come to terms with that really young. And I'm super grateful because the last 15 years has pretty much been that. Like, I think that we we are always going to be disappointing folks. And mm-hmm. we have to do the hard work instead of just being like, don't think about it which is kind of hard. We're like, we're humans. We, we don't like disappointing people or, um, trying to accommodate for that. I think just asking the question of who am I willing to disappoint? And also the question of like, for me coming back to this idea of having an audience of one being the Lord, what is God inviting me into? And what, yeah, what is, am I moving towards or away from this invitation that I'm sensing from God and also Mm -hmm. myself in the sense of like, I don't want to live a life where I please everybody else and then really disappoint myself. Yeah. And so I think, yes, very early on that became a thing that I was like, okay, if you're going to live this life, 
you're going to have to learn to ask the question of who are you going to disappoint and are you okay with that? Can you make peace with that? And not to be like, I rank everybody in my life, but I kind of do. Like I, I've gotten, (laughs) I've gotten pretty like clear on whose voices I'm welcoming in and I am giving some authority to, to say, Mm -hmm. Hey, if you think I'm off on this, if you think I'm missing the mark, if you think I'm acting out of fear and not freedom, or, you know, you think this is my ego or my insecurity or my need to belong, whatever it is, please speak into that. Like I need help in discerning the path, but I give that, I give that authority to a very specific group of people Hmm. and then really try to put energy into, if you're not, if I haven't invited you into that, you can have an opinion. It's free country. I can't, I can't keep you from having an opinion, but your opinion actually is, it's not going to, it's not going to get to have a driver's seat or, or really be a forcing <laughs> function in my life. Now I say that and it's not as if I've arrived. Like right. it's still, I'm, it's still, it still hurts. It still makes me feel bad. It's still like, I, I, I still operate like, yes, I want everybody to love me. I think I'm just the older I get and the more I get into my journey, the more comfortability I have with going like, oh, if you run around just trying to please everybody all of the time, you're going to really disappoint yourself. Yeah. And likely the Lord in the end. And those are, it's not what I want for my life yeah. in the long run. And I know you say you're comfortable now, but early on, you know, and spoiler, you went to Uganda. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so did you ever, though, have a moment where you second guessed that decision? You know, I hate to answer this question honestly. You know, because I honestly wish the story that I could give you was like, yes, and it was like dramatic and I had to overcome. And the answer is, I don't actually remember that. I Mm -hmm. don't remember there being like a freak out panic moment, even when I was in the midst of like, what am I doing here? Like there was a long season where I was like, I have no purpose. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants me here. Nobody invited. I have no plan. All my friends back home are like getting legitimate jobs and kind of starting their careers. It was an interesting both and. Like I could hold that. Like I am an aimless loser who doesn't really have a plan or a vision for her life right now. And I think this is where I'm supposed to be. Like I don't remember. I think that there was kind of an undercurrent of – peace with that, that I don't remember there being a season where I was like, I made the wrong decision Mm. outside of maybe some like fleeting moments that obviously ended up not really, not really winning. Yeah. What, I mean, what do you think played into that? I mean, cause in my mind I'm sitting here going, well, that's how you know you're where you're supposed to be, Mm, mm -hmm, (laughs) you know? mm -hmm. Yeah. I think my, I mean, it's, I think it's probably a being in touch with my own desires. Like I think Mm -hmm. I had experienced a very brief glimpse of the alternative kind of safe path. I went outside of college or as soon as I graduated from college, I got a job at a corporate communications firm and it had a great reputation. It was like a big deal to get the job, especially in the height of the recession when a lot of my classmates Mm -hmm. were actually just struggling to get employed. It was kind of like the thing. It was like, it was the thing that made everybody go, oh, well done. You know, you get that little moment from people. They're like, oh, good job. And I did the thing and it was like two months in and I was Mm -hmm. just like, I have a suspicion that there (laughs) is more to life than this. Like I just kind of looked down at the path and was like, does this get me going? 
Like, I think that's a really important thing for folks to do is like wherever you are right now, look 10 steps down the road and go, do I have a vision and a desire in my soul to be where that person is? Because that's the logical, like if I'm working towards this thing, a lot of people just don't even do that. And so it's like, they're working towards a thing and they're working hard and like putting in long hours and being really committed and not really stopping to go like, do I want that person? I I am, all of my actions are saying that I'm trying to get to where that person is. And then when I really stop and look at it, like, what does that person's life look like? What are they working on? You know, what is, what makes up their days and their weeks and their months and their years? And does that make my heart come alive? Um, And if not, I would say that's a really good sign to kind of stop and reevaluate and kind of reimagine. And I know for me, just as like a 22 year old, there was really just the sense of like, I don't think this is it for me. And also, I do think I had a lot of clarity in my early 20s that like risk, there would never be an easier time to take risk. Mm. Like I think a lot of times I hear, especially from young people, it's kind of like, I don't know, what do you have to lose? (laughs) Like you don't have kids, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have, there's like so many, the stakes are quite low. And I do remember feeling that sense of freedom of like, okay, so I moved to Uganda. I end up, nothing happens. I basically have a six month long like road trip in between college and starting my career life. I felt pretty confident of like, I'm not missing the boat. You know, like I could come back to the US and probably spin up a story about what I learned about myself and why that's going to make me a great candidate for that, you know, job or whatever that it just didn't feel that it, it, I think I had a pretty realistic view of like risk-taking and going Mm. like, people keep telling me this is a big risk. And I keep feeling like that's not resonating with me. I was like, I don't really know. I don't have a lot to lose. (laughs) Like I'm poor. I have no life experience and I have no obligations. Like I don't, I don't really see how things can go down from here. And so like, why not just go have an adventure? Um, Mm. And so I think that that, but I think being exposed to the alternative was actually really helpful to like have a moment by moment. I mean, you know, like three months in this corporate job to go like, tried it on, not a great fit for me, at least not right now. And that's also not saying never. Like I didn't leave that job being like, I will never do that again. I left, I had a sense of right now in this moment, this isn't where you're supposed to be. Go try on the next thing. Mm -hmm. And the next thing for me happened to be, you know, moving without a job or any money or any plan to Uganda, which ended up being a better fit. (laughs) Yeah. So the next test, I'm really excited to hear your answer, (laughs) is that, you know, this next test that maybe somebody will face as they work towards that destiny is called the passion test. Mm -hmm. So when did you realize that this tug on your heart for the women of Uganda was more than just a passing feeling? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It had been a part of my consciousness for many years at the point that I decided to move to Uganda. So all through college, really just this kind of broader concept of privilege and opportunity and inequality and specifically inequality through the lens of gender. That wasn't something that just like one day it like kind of occurred to me. That had been a growing kind of, I had been thinking about it and talking about it and taking classes that aligned and working with organizations that were somehow either directly or more, you know, more tangentially related to that. Um, So I think that is part of it of like, is this something you thought about yesterday in the shower? 
Or is this something that in some way, shape or form has kind of, you, you like keep coming back to. And for me, that was definitely, it had been years at that point where I had gone, this feels like an important thing. And it feels like something that makes me really angry and that makes me really sad. And that, that is another thing that I love. You know, we, I think especially in Christian culture do this, maybe not, maybe that's not fair, but we all, we obviously all really like good emotions. And so I feel like Mm -hmm. we have a lot of people being like, do what makes you happy do what makes you come alive, like all these like positive emotions. And we tell people go out and find that. And I think what we're missing is that our quote unquote negative emotions are so informative to us. So also asking the question of like, sometimes it's hard to be like, what makes you happy? That just feels like really loaded. And I think sometimes for some of us coming at that at a different angle of like, what makes you really angry? Like, when's the last time you cried yourself to sleep and why? What makes you jealous? This is a thing that has been so a thought experiment that I've had. I'm probably about a year into it, maybe nine months into this thought experiment. I grew up feeling and being told that being jealous was a bad thing. Mm. Um, that being envious or jealous of somebody, that the anecdote to that, one, you want to get rid of that feeling, and two, that the anecdote is just be content with what you have. And so I grew up um, with this sense, I mean, and I say grow up and even into an adulthood, if I felt jealous of somebody, I would feel really guilty on top of that, of like, oh, you need to be more grateful for what you have and just be more content. And I have entered into it an engagement with myself over the last probably nine-ish months where I have said, what if jealousy isn't bad? Mm. What if my jealousy could actually be a an interesting breadcrumb for me? And instead of having a quote-unquote negative emotion and then going, don't think that, don't think that, don't do that, that's bad, going like, okay, like, come have a seat at the table, tell me more about that. And then just recognizing like, oh, your jealousy is just an unmet desire. Mm. And if that takes over, if you start wishing ill will for that person, if you no longer can find any joy or contentment and present in your life because you're so consumed by it, then that's a problem. But just the emotion itself, this twinge of like, I want what that person has, can actually be so informative because it can just point to us of like, oh, you have a desire there. And it, it it's probably an unmet desire if you're experiencing, you know, jealousy. And so just getting really curious with things like that. And so I think, you know, passion would be an emotion again. There's a whole, you know, go follow your passion. And that works for some people. But for a lot of us, that feels really overwhelming. And we end up going, I don't, I don't know what that is. Go do what makes you happy. But I don't know what that is. And so if you, if you're someone who feels frustrated by those questions, what I would like to offer and invite you into is kind of a backdoor way of asking those things of like, what are you jealous of? What makes you angry? What makes you sad? And sometimes those things can actually point us to to these longings. And so for me, definitely like women, girls, inequality, education, oppression, extreme poverty, those things made me really mad and really, really sad. And... I wasn't thinking this way at the time, but my guess was I probably had a lens. If I would have been more in tune with something like jealousy, my guess is that anybody who was living a life that felt really integrated with those things that felt really important probably would have sparked in me a little bit of like, I want that and would have been like a really meaningful clue for me in that. And so, um, there was no real, like, Actually, there was a moment where I was sitting at my desk at that first corporate job and I was watching this video. It was called The Girl Effect. 
And it was like this animated video that actually the Nike Foundation had put out. And it's like a three-minute long video that's like kind of trying to illustrate what happens when you empower a girl in a developing economy and kind of the impact Mm. that that can make on her community. And I'm like sitting at my desk and I just start like crying. And it was Mm. interesting to me because I was like, why am I crying? It was no new information for me. It was like I knew Mm. all of these statistics. What was interesting to me is I had the realization that – I did care about that, and yet I did not have a single friend Mm. or I wasn't in relationship or community with anybody that had been impacted by that reality. And that was a real kind of come to moment, a come to Jesus moment for me of like, okay, you say you care about this thing, but then look at your life. Is it really, is it, is it wrapped up in this at all? Do you have friends? Do you actually have a community? Are you actually really impacted by this or is this just like an opinion? that you have. Um, and so for me, that was really the moment where I decided to move to Uganda because I was just like, I'm not just going to talk about something and have an, anybody can have an opinion. It's real easy to have an opinion on something. And our culture has only gone further in this direction mm-hmm. of have an opinion on everything. And then it's like, okay, but what are you actually doing? How has your life actually changed? A lot of people that like to talk about their ideas and their opinions And so just asking ourselves the next question of like, but what are, you know, what are you doing? My friend, James Pearson, he's a poet and he has this poem and I, do do we have time if I could look it up? Yeah. Okay. So my friend, James Pearson, he's a poet and he has this poem that he wrote and he posts and reposts it after election days. Mm. And there is a part of the poem that says, take back the part of yourself that you lent to the politicians and focus close at hand. Pledge your allegiance to the mother down the street whose kids have grown out of their summer shoes again. And mm-hmm. if you're going to raise a flag, let it be a flag of forgiveness. And this kind of moment of like, yes, voting is important. Go out and have your opinions and make your vote. And then the next day, go be with your neighbor and go love your neighborhood and serve your neighbors and hear someone's story and enter into that story because that's where lives change, ours ours included. Like they don't change because we get on Facebook and share our opinions. Anybody can have an opinion. There's no cost to that. Um, But there is a cost and I would say actually a real gift towards going and then saying, I'm gonna gonna live that out. And so for me, moving to Uganda was really, I, I, I had an opinion. I had an opinion that it was not right. You know, the kind of injustices and inequality that women and girls across the globe faced, but I didn't know a single one. And so my my choice to move to Uganda was really to kind of close that gap between what I thought I cared about and then my actual life, my friends, my community. And that is what ended up kind of propelling me to make that decision. Thanks so much for joining me for the start of this month's conversation with Liz. Come back in two weeks when we conclude our chat and Liz explains why she believes losing control is one of the most life-giving things one can go through and how community has kept her authentic and humble. For more information about today's episode, just go to forwardwomen.org slash podcast. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N dot org slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Work, Love, Pray on your favorite listening platform and leave us a review. 
Your review will help more people discover Work With Pray, so your feedback is greatly appreciated. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.